We live in the age of opinion, when what the world needs is conviction. You see, opinions desire attention, but conviction desires to be lived. And our faith, our faith is built on the conviction, not the opinion, the conviction of Jesus Christ and the truth that he is and the truth that is from him. And we listen to him and we receive his truth so much that it changes the DNA of our soul. And it makes our faith real, so real, it literally feels like the dirt beneath our feet as we walk down a gravel road. And that's the sermon series that we're actually wrapping up today. We're wrapping up a sermon series called Dirt Road Disciples. This has been a walkthrough of a a well-known story in scripture called the Emmaus Road. As Jesus shows up and walks along two disciples down a dirt road, and as they walk down this dirt road, he shares the gospel with them and he opens up the scriptures to them. We've been in this story for a few weeks now. We're wrapping it up today, and today we're going to find ourselves talking about a faith with conviction. As we turn to Luke chapter 24, we're going to start at verse 44 and just read through the end of the chapter. I do encourage you to open up your Bibles if you have that. If you don't, that's okay. It will be on the screen as I read it, but I really encourage you all to make sure you have your Bibles with you when you ever when you do come. But again, if you don't, that's okay. We will have it on the screen for you. In our passage today, we see the risen Jesus hanging out with a group of his disciples. And we begin to see him wrap up his earthly ministry before he returns to heaven. So let's read the close of the Emmaus story. Let's read the close of our sermon series today. Hear the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through the end of the chapter. Hear God's word. Then he, then Jesus, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually, uh, continually in the temple blessing, blessing God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and then let's get to it. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Father God in heaven, we do thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he suffered in our place, giving us a forgiveness that we do not deserve and setting us on a mission that is bigger than ourselves. Help us to love you. Help us to love our neighbor. That the love in our lives would be so big, it would transform our families and it would compel us to share this love with the world around us. Clothe us with your promise that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would understand the scriptures and that we'd have the conviction to act upon them. Lord, we we pray these things for your glory, for our joy, and for the good of our neighbor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. And everyone said, 
Amen. Amen. So as with every sermon in this sermon series, we're just going to break today's message down into two main parts. We're first going to be grounded in truth as we just walk through our passage together and ground ourselves in the truth of God's word. And then from that, we'll see how this truth goes to develop in us a gritty faith and how are we to respond in light of this. So let's just go back, walk through our passage together. Good old-fashioned Bible study. Here we go. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I cannot stress this enough. For Jesus Christ, there is no faith in him that does not also include adherence to the word of God. Jesus points to the scriptures so that they might believe in him. And here he's talking about the law which is the first five books of the Old Testament, and the prophets and the Psalms. In summary, the entire Old Testament. In fact, this whole story we've been reading, this Emmaus Road, this starts out with Jesus doing exactly what we see him do here. He comes on the scene and he opens up the scriptures and he shares the truth with them. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Then he opened their minds to understand this. I love this. See, faith in Jesus Christ is not just a simple heart thing. It's also a mind thing. We can't just believe the scriptures in our hearts, although that's where we hide them, but we also must know the scriptures. And this intellectual thing, Jesus shows us here, it's also a supernatural thing. Because the supernatural work of God works in us to know and see and understand the scriptures. Jesus opened their mind to the truth of God's word so that when they read the scriptures, they would not just see words on the page. When they read the scriptures, they would see the plan of God and they would see the salvation of their souls and the lover of their souls. He wanted them to see all that was in there, not just words on a page. So I don't know if you've ever had this. I've had this. Maybe you're reading scripture or doing a devotion or maybe you're, you're just hearing scripture being preached and there's like, there's that sudden like aha moment. You ever had that where you're like, oh wow, that your ears just pick up and you just, you understand it. Like you, you see it new. You're, anyone ever had that? That's the spirit working in you. That's the work of God. That's not your intellect at work. That is God activating your intellect to understand the scriptures at a supernatural deeper level. He opened their minds to understand The scriptures, this is evidence of God's work in you, that he's working on you and he's working in you. This is why we need to saturate ourselves in God's word, because we see God work through that when we come to an understanding and a deeper love of the truth of God. And then he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all of the nations. Who was here for the fall when we did that sermon series on the temptation of Jesus Christ? Anybody remember that? A few of you? So we talked in that sermon series about how these words, it is written or thus it is written, that is a declaration of scriptural authority. Jesus doesn't say those words lightly. He's saying something about the word of God. He's claiming here this is God's truth. And he tells us that since the very first pages of scripture, The Bible's been pointing to the culmination of Jesus in the gospel. That the gospel of Christ dying and rising again for our salvation has been our hope since the very beginning, since the very first pages of Scripture. And this is the greatest message that the world could hear. 
Which is why this is a message that the world needs to hear. And he says, The forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So why does the gospel mission begin in Jerusalem? Well, you could say, well, because Jesus was Jewish. Fair enough. But I think there's an even more obvious answer here. Because that's where they were. Jesus is telling them to start where you are. So let me ask you, if you are a Christian in the house, and this question is for the Christians. If you're not a Christian, I'm so thankful you're here. I pray that I have something to say to you. But if you are a Christian, let me ask you this. How is your gospel sharing going? You know that thing that Christians are meant to do, share the gospel with others? How's that going for you? Me, I I have my ups and downs, to be honest. But how is it going for you? Been doing much of that lately? Need I remind you that while we do support missionaries who are scattered across the globe, this is not the job just for them. This is the job for anyone and everyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ. It's for everyone who claims the name of Christ. So we need to start where we are. Start where you are. I think some of you, you just need to start in your very own homes. Christian families, are your kids hearing the gospel from you? Are you sharing and articulating the gospel of Jesus Christ to your own kids? Yes, they can come listen to me and I will do that. Yes, they will listen to their Sunday school teachers. As a church, we want to be a church and we want to partner with families and help them disciple their kids. But let me tell you right now, The job of sharing the gospel to your kids is your first job. It is your job firstly. They need to hear it from you first. I don't want them to to think that what they're hearing from mom and dad is only true because it's what I said. I want parents to claim the authority that God has given them and the responsibility God's given them to share the gospel with your kids. If you've never taken the time to actually articulate the gospel to your children, today is that day that Christ suffered for us. He gave his life for us that we could have life forever. It is a great story to tell. It's hard, but it is the greatest story. So families, start where you are. Start in your very own home. It is up to you. Your kids need to hear it, and they need to hear it most of all from you. Beginning in Jerusalem, start where you are. And then Jesus says, you are witness, you are witnesses of these things. I tell you, I I don't see this as anything short than a call out from Jesus. This is Jesus calling his people out. He says, all right, guys, you've walked with me, you've talked with me, you've seen the miracles, you're speaking with me now, the risen Jesus, you are witness to these things. You are now on the hook, I think is what Jesus is saying. The world is now depending on you. You are witnesses to these things And because you are witness to these things, life is more than just about you now. You have now entered into a larger story of which you play a big part because you have a big message to go share with a big world. You are part of something bigger now. That's what it means to be a Christian. Even today in the American justice system, the testimony of a witness has the power to condemn a man to death. But we are witnesses to the power that can lead a person to life, to eternal life. So Christians, we are on the hook to share this message. 
But our good and our gracious God will not leave us alone to do this. Jesus said, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Don't you love this word? Behold. And behold. Some some translations just omit this word word, because I feel like, I don't know, it's like maybe too old school or something. But I love this word. Jesus is like, see, watch, behold. When's the last time you beheld something? Time to behold the power of God. Jesus said, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father. It just emphasizes this dramatic power of what Jesus is saying. Behold, I am sending the promise. Jesus is saying to these guys, watch and see. I'm going to do this. In fact, don't even leave until you see it happen. I'm telling you it's going to happen. Wait for it to happen. So what exactly is this promise of being clothed in power from on high? Well, Jesus here is pointing to the coming of the Holy Spirit who is to fill and fuel the church. To be clothed in power from on high is to live and breathe and operate in the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit who is the third member of the Trinity. A presence that is so close to us, it literally is like wearing clothes. That we are clothed in the power of the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. And the descending of the Spirit from on high is tied to the ascending of Christ back to heaven. It says, and he led them out as far as Bethany, which is roughly two miles outside of Jerusalem. He led, them out, uh, he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, blessing God. This is called the ascension of Jesus Christ. It is his bodily return into heaven. And if you were here with us last week, you heard us talk about what body actually Jesus had. The the body that Jesus returned to heaven with is the body that he rose from the grave with. And this ascension of Jesus Christ, I dare say, is the most underappreciated event we see in Jesus' life. These two events that are referenced here, the, the descending of the Spirit and the ascending of Jesus back to heaven, these are actually celebrated in the Christian calendar. Pentecost and the Ascension. Pentecost Sunday, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and Ascension Sunday. In, in a few weeks, we will actually be taking time as a church. We're going to have a two-part sermon series looking at these two great events for Christians. The first week, we're actually going to have a guest preacher. I'm really excited about having him come. Pastor Kevin Harney is going to come preach on Ascension Sunday. And then the next week, on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to have his son, our pastor, Pastor Nate Harney, preach on Pentecost. It's going to be a couple awesome weeks. So we're going to have Mother's Day next week. It's going to be a great week as we honor moms and we talk about our vision for children's ministry and what we're doing to prepare the next generation. And then the next two weeks, we're going to talk about Ascension and Pentecost. I cannot wait. It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great May. So knowing that we're going to talk about those two things, I'm not going to preach their sermons today. There's other parts in our passage that I think are enough for us to tackle. So now that we've talked about being grounded in truth, let's talk about developing a gritty faith. First thing, a gritty faith looks through the lens of Scripture. A gritty faith looks through the lens of Scripture. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. 
Jesus wants us to look at the world. He wants us to look at him and he wants us to know what we are looking at. And so he gives us the scriptures to be our lens to put this all in focus. From the, I already said it, but from the beginning of the story three weeks ago until now, the story of the Emmaus Road is bookend with Jesus pointing to scriptures so that we can understand our experience in life. So that we can fully know God, so that we can fully know our faith, so that we can fully know our mission, so that we can fully know him. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, how many of you know who Bono is? Really? Only like seven of you? Like, who knows who Bono is? Okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, so Bono is a rock star. Uh, he's the lead singer of the band U2. And this band's been around since the 1980s. All right, who was born? I want to see your hands. Who was born after the 1980s? Would you raise your hand? Everyone else look around. Oh man, we are truly in the end times. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, since the 1980s, every time I've looked or seen a picture of Bono, he's always wearing sunglasses. In fact, if you Google and go to Google Images and you type in B-O-N-O, Bono, this is what comes up. Only ever wearing sunglasses. I often wondered if he took off those sunglasses, would he even know what he's looking at? See, we all, all of us, we look at the world through tinted glasses. Everyone's experience of the world is skewed or tainted by something, by maybe our pride or our jealousy. I know for a great many of people, it's a misplaced identity. Maybe it's arrogance or maybe it's anger. We all have a tint when we look at the world. But then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I want to show you the truth. I want to show you things as they truly are. And Jesus knows that we may not always know what we're looking at if we don't have a way to understand the world. So Jesus brings us the scriptures so that by them we could understand the world. We would understand him. We would understand ourselves. He points to himself as the truth. And he points to the scriptures as the truth. So that they may be our lens to correct the tint and to put the world in focus. In a world of opinions... Scripture grounds our convictions in truth. Truth is what makes sense of the world. And so a gritty faith looks at life. It looks at the world and gritty faith even looks at Jesus through the lens of Scripture because that's what Jesus himself points to. So a gritty faith looks through the lens of Scripture. Secondly, a gritty faith knows proclamation is priority. In our passage, Jesus opens their minds to a knowledge of the scriptures. He gives them a clarity for their life's mission in its proclamation, the proclamation of his gospel. And he gives us the promise of the power to do this in the Holy Spirit. Now imagine you have someone tell you, I bought this cow to get milk. And this cow has not given us any milk. And you say, okay, well, do you feed the cow? I say, yeah, we feed the cow. Or do you water the cow? Yeah, we water the cow. Right. Do you let the cow out into the pasture to graze? 
Yep, we do that. The, the cow's healthy. Yeah, the cow's healthy. And you're not getting any milk. They said, no. And then you think to ask, do you actually milk the cow? And they say, yeah, no, not really. At that point, you might be like, well, I can tell you why you don't have any milk. Keeping the cow healthy is a critical thing. We must keep the, the cow healthy and strong. But they're not doing the very thing that actually gives them milk. See, too often people tell me that they're just bored in their faith. That's not doing anything for them. That they don't experience the spirit or the, this being clothed in power like Jesus so dramatically tells us. And always my first question is this. When was the last time you shared your faith with a stranger? I would ask you that here now, if you are a Christian. When was the last time you shared your faith with a stranger? When was the last time that you took the priority of proclamation seriously? If it's been a while, then no wonder your faith is boring to you. You're not doing the very thing with it that Christ calls us to do. Just like the people who aren't milking the cow, we're meant to share the faith. If you're not doing that, then of course you're not tapping into the power of the Spirit. That's what he was sent to do in, the, in us. Yes, we need to have a strong and healthy faith. One that is filled with, the, when you come on Sunday morning and we preach the gospel and through the company and the fellowship of believers, we all worship together. Yes, that is filling. Yes, that's important. And when you go to Bible study and you have devotions and you do prayer, yes, we need to do all that. We need to keep the cow healthy. But we need to do the very thing that Jesus gave us the Spirit to do, and that is to go and proclaim his name. Part of my job is to help you and to encourage you and to, to give you the knowledge by the power of the Spirit so that you'd be equipped to go do that. But you are the ones who are meant to do this too. And he said to them in verse 46, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. In whose name? You didn't convince me on that one. In whose name? Jesus. Amen to that. In his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, starting where you are. You are witness of these things. And Jesus says, I know you can't do this on your own. And so behold, I'm going to send the spirit of power to guide you in the midst of this. If you feel stagnant in your faith, then try sharing it. Put yourself in a position where you need the spirit to show up. I'm telling you right now, it may not go well. I'm not promising it'll go well. Do you want to know why? A, because we have a very real enemy who wants you to keep your mouth shut. And it may not go well because Sometimes it doesn't. I've said it before, not every time I share the gospel with someone, it's not like there's a massive revival right then and there. But it's what we're called to do. Jesus doesn't say, go and tell the world as long as it goes okay for you. He says, go and tell the world, period. That is our call. For too many people, we don't have a joy or a true wonder, or an experience of the Spirit in our faith because we're not active in our faith in the ways that Jesus has instructed. See, we invent all sorts of ways for us to live out our faith 
in ways that we've designed as opposed to the way that he has designed and calls us to and by which he equips us to. A gritty faith gets in the game. A gritty faith understands that proclamation is priority. So let me ask you a question, and I am not doing this to get a bunch of amens, but who here genuinely loves what you see God doing at Peace Church? Who are you sharing this with? Who are are you loving enough to invite them in to experience what you love here? There are a few seats left. Let's fill them up. And I still believe that there are some godly gentlemen who wouldn't mind standing for the entire sermon to give up their seat. Or godly people. Like, if you love what God's doing here, then invite them to be a part of it. And don't, listen to me, like, Yes, invite people to church. Please do. But don't use that as a scapegoat to get around you actually telling them the gospel. I want you to be doing that. If the time permits, do it. Either way, I'd also encourage you to invite people to be a part of what God's doing here. So rather than who are you telling, let me ask you, how are you telling them? What's your strategy? What's your plan? How are you doing it when the opportunity arises? Because we need to be. The world needs to see our conviction, not just hear our opinions. Jesus didn't die to make us opinionated jerks with a meme to share. He made us with people of conviction with a message to share. A message that saves souls, a message that heals families, a message that can unite the world. You're on the hook. It's time to go and do what Christ calls you to do and is equipping you to do. You want a gritty faith? You want one with conviction? Then love your enemies. Then share the truth with strangers. Put other people first. You want joy and wonder in your life? Then look through the lens of Scripture and see God's beautiful painting in the heavens and reclaim the priority of proclamation for the gospel. Truth is that Jesus opened our minds to know the Scriptures. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this. The truth is, Jesus knows we can't do this on our own. So he's going to help us. And church, we need the spiritual nourishment to do this as well. And this is part of what communion does. When we we partake in communion, we are getting a physical and symbolic reminder of the gospel. We're getting this spiritual reminder, a physical reminder of the power of the gospel that our salvation was won for us when Jesus Christ's body was broken on the cross and his blood was poured out so that he would assume the wrath that we should have. And he takes our punishment and he gives us forgiveness. And we are saved through through grace in that faith that our salvation was won by Christ. And that's why we take communion. So we are ever reminded of this. So we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna pray and we're gonna prepare our hearts for communion so that we would be spiritually nourished to go and live a faith of conviction.